Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. You know, it's funny, this is called, I guess, pre-Tishrei um, Zoom, um, these calls. And uh, I just wanted everyone to be aware that Elul has not begun yet. So the way I approach this um, is from the point of view where um, this is for us to prepare for when Elul comes and we start to really delve into ourselves and do this Cheshbon HaNefesh. And so what I wanted to do was take a look at how um, the idea of Cheshbon HaNefesh, which I will explain in a sec, um, enters into your lives and um, and I, I kind of have a, a theory on this that really comes from the mindfulness work that I've been doing and, um, curiously, from a Devar Torah that, um, that I was thinking about before I had a, I had a thank God, and one of our uh, presidents actually is on this call, thank God I was able to have a vacation. And right before it, this was on my mind and has been on my mind for the last three weeks. Um, and I just kind of wanted to share this with you. And I do want to preface it by saying, typically, I use only Jewish texts to take a look at, um, to start with. Um, but for me, the Jewish text is going to be um, the, um, the, our approach to this time is our Jewish text. In other words, this idea of Cheshbon HaNefesh, which is an accounting of our souls, um, how do we do that? What needs to happen for us to do that? And what goes into accounting of our souls is what I'm interested in exploring. And I, I have a certain kind of idea that I think um, we can all, and in the end, I, 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 on the bottom of the sheet, you may have seen already, I don't know, an actual exercise that we can all do as we approach Elul to help us put ourselves um, in really the month of Elul in preparation for High Holy Days. And when I say that, I think the most important thing, and this is where the, my mindfulness training is really going to be blatant, is the only way we do it is if we can put ourselves in the now, in this moment, thinking about who we are right now as opposed to last year or who we think we're going to be next year. And so I'm very interested in how the past and the future um, intersect with our now and um, and what we can do to kind of help us get through a, what I think is going to be a very interesting and subtle and layered um, look at our lives because of what's been going on in the last five or six months. I mean, we can't ignore it. Can't ignore the fact that we're basically home every single day. Um, there's a fear of going out. There's fears that have come into certainly my life that I've never dealt with before. Um, and, and so I just wanted to kind of preface it by saying that that's what I'd like us to do in the next 45 minutes or so. And so I'd like us to start by having you begin. What is Cheshbon HaNefesh to you? Accounting of your souls. Have you done this before? Um, what has your experience be, been? How do you see this working in your lives? So I'd love to start with just getting an idea of where all of you are, 
have you ever done it before? Is this the first time you're doing it? Because actually one of the great things that, that has come about with this pandemic is that, I mean, I find myself on lots more learning calls and a lot more events that I might not go to. And so it may be that this year you're like, wow, I've got the time now to actually do the Elul work. So I'm going to delve into it. So I don't know where you are. I'm going to shut up. Let some of you talk. Just raise your hand. And Karen, you can go first. So I've been doing a lot of this stuff, and I love it and love it. And today something happened in my – I don't have a place in my house to do it, and I was listening to somebody on at 11 o'clock, so I came to my office. I was pissed at my husband and my son, and I have no space, and I everybody has a space in the house, but I don't – and then I'm saying, what What are you – so now, what, what's going on for you? Is that it? <laughs> is that it at other times I'm listening and something in the future will remind me of a thing and suddenly I can calm is that it or do I drive by and see the people sleeping in the street which makes me crazy and I and I drive is that it what is it I guess I'm saying you're smiling. So maybe I didn't say anything wrong. I don't know. No, I mean, I I think what you're describing is exactly what all of us are going through right now. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conflicting thoughts and feelings that are inside all of us because of what's happening. So you're, these are the questions that we ask right now. And I always say, thank God for me being Jewish because I get this opportunity to literally look at my life every single year in a significant way um, so that I can figure out, am I living up to who I am? Am I living up to what I, f- I feel inside I should be doing or could be doing or, um, or have to be doing? So let, you know, this, hopefully this will help you kind of um, clarify some of those things. One more thing, just one more thing. Yeah. So I was talking to my daughter and she was pissed off and she's not forgiving somebody in her life. And I talked to her about, well, what do you want? How do you want to live your life? And how do you want to feel towards so-and-so? That's what this is about. You can't forgive, maybe don't forget, but how do you want to relate to the people in your life? How do you want to be? Exactly. That's what all of this is about. Terrific. Um, Is it it Ren or Renee, Rini? Renee. Okay, thanks, Renee. I think for me, I'm, I'm also, I've been delighted to be part of this amazing, amazing program that Rabbi Schatz has put together for all of us. And I think for me, the whole concept of Cheshbon and Nefesh has just been, and also being stuck home has been just about um, accountability and just really thinking about and being grateful for all the things that, as minute as they might be, that I have. Um, I was actually just watching a little thing that my um, housekeeper was showing me about one of the, about a pastor who was born with no limbs and he was, had like half a foot and was turning the pages. And, you know, we just don't think about how grateful we are for what we have for the little things. You know, the fact that Modani, the Fanecha, you know, that we can open eye, open our eyes and, and the Tefillah for, when we come out of the uh, the restroom, that all of our organs and orifices and everything just works the way it's supposed to work. And 
I am, of course, as Rebecca knows, particularly grateful because my mother, my 96-year-old mother, tested positive a couple of weeks ago and was symptom-free. And oh. Baruch Hashem, she is fine. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I mean, I mean this isn't um, for this class, but uh, this week is Akev, which mm-hmm. is all about gratitude and, and giving thanks for um, everything that we have. Um, and then as a little sidelight, you know, it's, it also says, uh, lest you think that all of this is just because you're an amazing person and you've got a lot of power, you, you have to rethink that because it's not just about you. It's about you in relation to everything. So it's a wonderful Torah portion for what you described. Uh, and I hope that uh, you can hear some good things this week and that will help you help you through that. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, no, I thought there was a chat in there. Okay, go ahead, Barbara. <clears throat> well, my life's been turned upside down by this COVID. Um, been muted again? Nope, you're good. Okay. Uh, I actually can't believe it. I, <clears throat> I'm a physician. I'm a lot younger than I look. I mean, I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> God. Um, people get shocked when they hear that I'm 82. I really didn't plan on retiring for the next two to five years. But I'm being forced into retirement because nobody's going to see doctors, in particular ophthalmologists, which is what I am. And actually, <clears throat> I was thinking about it today when I went to the office, actually for me to get PT rather than seeing, and I saw one patient briefly. Um, the parking lot, the parking garage, has like four guys working there for about six cars, which is usually full. Parking lot where I park my car, the city lot, um, had which is about 25 or 28 spots, had two cars in it. And this has been every time I go to the office. And my office is in Beverly Hills. And I'm having to, to retire. I would have retired now, but I have, was forced to give six months notice because there's, I can't afford to pay rent on one patient a week. The first three months was one patient a month. Um, and you can't pay rent on that. So I'm hoping to bring some stuff home and, and be able to see my old patients, I'm not going to see any new patients because I don't want anybody coming to my home that I don't know. But it's a major change. I mean, I've been practicing medicine for over 50 years, and that doesn't count the time in resident internship and residency. And this stupid virus is real. And I'm not the only one it's disrupting. I mean, it's everybody because, <clears throat> I mean, I try to be careful because I, I am old and I'm hoping that if I should get the virus, I'll be as lucky as Renee's mother. Because that's pure luck. And God bless her mother that, that she did so good. I mean, I hope that I'm the same way if. But I do try to protect myself. So it's a, trying to think of what's going to happen next year. Yeah. I'm now retired, although I still work weekends seeing kids at Cedars when I'm needed. I get paid to seat be on call um, but it's going to be a major change and I don't even yeah. I can't even imagine what's going to be like and in the five months since this thing started um, procrastination is the biggest thing that I felt because I've got stuff sitting right next to me that I should some of this should have been looked at five months ago and we're talking money I mean I'm billing patients 
I don't know. I keep putting it off. There's, I find other things to do, including sleeping or, I don't know, cleaning my pool, which has been a problem. But procrastination, and I know that this is happening to everybody. Yeah. You yeah. just don't feel like you want to get into it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, a lot of what you said, hopefully we'll be able to kind of incorporate, you know, the ideas you talk about the past, you talked about the future, and we're sitting right in the middle of that. Uh, Judy, go ahead. So um, I think one of the, I don't know, can't call it a benefit, um, but one of the outcomes for me of sort of being sheltering in place alone is that it has given me a lot of time to do a lot of thinking and procrastinating on other things that I really don't want to do, but still a lot of time to do uh, a lot of thinking. And, you know, you said it, Jonathan, that one thing that's wonderful about um, Judaism is that every year, if we pay attention, we do put the time in to do this kind of reflection. Um, But I think there's an additional time of reflection um, during this pandemic because when you're sitting by yourself, you have to think about who are the people I want to really remain in contact with and how am I going to keep those kinds of relationships going through this uh, pandemic and what can I do, um, uh, you know, to make the world a better place. So, you know, I've been doing the, the mail-in writing campaign, um, right. try to get the votes in. So, you know, you need to think about how can I, how can I be active still in this world without having to, to just go out. So yeah. maybe that's a bottom line. Maybe I would have been too busy with Narishkeit to actually do some of this stuff if we didn't have this kind of pandemic. Yeah, right. Jay, did you have your hand up? I thought I saw you, maybe you may have better put it up. Okay. All right. So why don't we delve into this? And as, as an introduction to, to where my mind was when um, thinking about this, um, before um, I left, we were in the last Torah portion in, um, in the book of Numbers. And what ends up happening there is they're right on the cusp of going into the land of Canaan. In fact, the, the, it should be the four books of Moses ending in, at the end of Numbers. They get there, they're ready to go, and that's where the Numbers is left off. Then Deuteronomy is all these speeches that Moses gives. No, the Deuteronomists probably never thought that any of us would see the other previous four books, but they're right there. Moses does these speeches. They're ready to go in. And I think of high, um, this spot in High Holy Days is we've gotten to the edge of the High Holy Days. We're like on the border, right? We're ready to go in. And the month of Elul are the speeches that, um, that Moses gives to get us really, really, really prepared. And then we enter into the land on, Yom Kippur, on, on Rosh Hashanah. That's kind of like my mindset with that. And what, there's a, there was a story I told about um, a man who's about to get married. And the reason why I'm telling this story is there's a line in this Torah portion, in the final Torah portion, that, that when when Moses is about to tell everybody all the different stops that they went to over their 40 years of traveling through the desert, it says, Moses then um, wrote down the starting points according to the journeys. And then the next sentence is, he wrote down the journeys according to the starting points. And the question becomes, why are those switched in one sentence? Why is it Starting points, journeys, journeys, starting points. 
or comings and goings, goings and comings? Why were there both sides of it? And there's this wonderful Hasidic story told about a, um, a boy whose father sets him up to get married. Um, and th- this boy has a stepmother that he doesn't like. I'm sorry, Disney, um, but it didn't begin with you. And um, so there's this stepmother who's driven this kid crazy. He gets in a coach with his father. They're heading in a, um, the horse-driven carriage. They get a little while, and the son turns to the driver and says, how many miles are we from, um, from our hometown? And he goes, we're three miles from the hometown. Five minutes later, he's like, how many miles are we from the hometown? He's like, we're seven miles from the hometown. He keeps on asking him over and over, how many miles are we from our hometown? How many miles from our hometown? He's getting like more and more excited. Finally, the father turns to the coachman and says, how many more miles do we get to our destination? And the son is like, what? I've been asking this guy the whole time how many miles we've come. Why are you asking how far we are from the destination? And the father says, well, you are saying how far have we come from our hometown because you can't wait to get away from your stepmother. And the farther away you get from her, the better. Me, I know that you have this incredible wife that's going to be a part of your life for the rest of your life. And you have this scholarly father-in-law, you know, people always want scholarly father-in-laws, um, scholarly scholarly father-in-law who's going to be the most amazing father to you. And I know the good life that you have in front of you. So I'm asking him how far it is to get there. And I believe that that is representative of the way we think about the world. Some of us live always thinking about the past, ruminating on the past, saying, oh my God, this is getting me so upset. And that same story keeps coming up inside of you which is all about the past, all of the things that have already happened, and you keep getting angry and angrier and angrier or upset and more upset and more upset based upon things that have happened in the past. Others of us think so much about the future that we are paralyzed because we can't act. We're like, oh, wait a minute, if I do this, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or I know this is going to happen. And, and we become afraid to act because we don't know what's going to happen and we're fearful of the possibilities in the future. I thought it was interesting that Barbara's entire talk with us was, this is what has happened to me in the past and I don't even know what things are going to look like in the future. And that's where I feel we all are, right? We're lamenting what's been going on over the last five months. We can't even project what's happening in the next five months. We think we can, but you know, are we worried about the future? Are, is it, does it give us anxiety? Um, are we worried about what's happened in the past? Do we think something, some, something we did in the past is going to kind of catch up with us? Are we being pursued from this side and warned from this side? And we exist right here, right now. I, I'm looking right now at Esther. I see Esther's face right now. I don't know what happened to her last week. I don't know what happened to her yesterday. I don't even know what happened to her an hour ago. But we're meeting right now at this moment of our lives. So what I'd like us to do is just kind of explore a little bit. And um, I, I do want to apologize, and maybe it's only my own paranoia, is that these, these texts that I found are, are, two of them are actually from like psychology today. 
because when I typed in living in the past, Jewish, living in the past, Judaism, texts on living too much in the past, it brings things up like um, Jews should always remember their histories. Uh, you know, Judaism is based upon thinking about the past and bringing the past into the present. I found that fascinating, right? Because it's not really even the ancient past that Judaism brings in. I mean, it's not even the now, it's ancient past. It's what happened a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years ago. And what I'm talking about is what happened to us as human beings three months ago. And it was hard to find stuff. So that's why I'm, I'm, it's my own kind of, you know, I put that on myself, but I, I do think this might be helpful because this is the Jewish exercise we're going to be doing over the next um, uh, month and a half. And, um, and we're all going to be entering into this. And I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that what I put together here as we go through it can just give a platform for you and a way to think about it as we get into Elul, which begins, uh, I believe, not, not, I think next, isn't it next Saturday? Is it next Saturday begins or the following Saturday? The 21st. Yeah. Oh, it's the 21st. Okay. <laughs> so um, does everyone have the text? Do you want me to share the text? Does have a hand? Who has the text? Okay, I'll share it. Wait, let me make sure it's okay. Um, there we go. Can you all see that? Wait, I want to. I want to see more of you. Um, okay, so um, this is just a, a little introduction to the to the kind of exercise that I would like us to do, and it goes like this: history. When we think about um, our own personal histories here, this isn't necessarily um, history of the world, but yes, it is. Uh, history can be a great teacher and a source of wisdom. This is true of history in the traditional sense, wars, na nations, independence, how empires rise and tumble into time. But the kind of history I'm talking about is your own personal history. You know your history better than any other person alive today thought that was a wonderful line, right? I mean, that's why we're the ones that have to do the work on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, because we truly are the only ones that know the whole story. Um, you are the world's form foremost expert in the subject of you. So although our children would probably say they are, but they're not. Um, uh, that was a joke, by the way. So while a psychologist or therapist can help guide you to better understand you, at the end of the day, it's still going to fall to one person to make a change, and that is you. Um, I wanted to start with this because lest you think that even when we're looking at these things that are from kind of psychological websites or wherever we're looking, lest you think anyone else is going to do this work for you, they're not. This is our own private personal work that we do so that we can be better people in this world. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, we, and, and most of us don't do this work over the month of Elul, that real soul searching. They kind of wait until they're in the, in the seats. Um, those, you know, I, there aren't that many Emmanuel members, but usually when I begin my sermon, that's when people start thinking for themselves. That was a joke too. All right. I got one smile on that one. Um, but, um, but really, all this work is going to be done by you, by yourself, 
with the help of others, if you call upon their help to, to help you. But um, this is the personal work that we're doing. And, and that's why I, I kind of feel it's so important for us to kind of have a, um, a point of view on it that helps us, um, helps us improve. Okay. Yeah, Judy. So can you hear me? I can. Oh, so my, my problem with this, I mean, I agree with it, but my problem with this is that many people who are, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, um, many people who have um, traits or characteristics or beliefs that are really awful um, may not, even with reflection, think that they, could, they, they can reinforce those kinds of questions. Just take racism, for example. So a racist doing this kind of exercise on themselves can still completely convince themselves that that's the best, better part of who they are. Yes, that is true. That can happen. And as a matter of fact, I don't know where I was reading it. Um, There was something about it said, you know, a lot of really successful people do not have the ability to reflect on who they are and who their, what their lives are like and how they're affecting people. And one of that's one of the reasons why they become so successful. So yeah, there are going to be people, but you know, I'm looking at 18 screens right here of people that I think are interested in living lives the best that you can. And, and you're the ones I'm talking to. Um, I can't worry about those other people because I'm not going to save them. I'm not going to help them. Um, I mean, I can through, uh, through our services perhaps, but you know, I'm, I'm my interest right now uh, to be in the now is, is to provide something for all of you that are on these screens. That's my goal. Um, you know, if you want to pass this on to someone who is narcissistic and isn't going to be able to kind of uh, follow, follow it and, and isn't going to come to any kind of conclusion, um, uh, any kind of, I'm sorry, I was just, I, I wasn't in the now at this moment. I, there was a chat that caught my eye. Um, you know, I mean, if you want to talk to people about it and share it with them, I think it would be wonderful. But if someone's narcissistic, I'm not thinking of anyone in specifically, but they may not be able to reflect. That's one of the things is they don't reflect. But I'm assuming that all of us are here because we want to. But good point. Okay. So um, what I have here is there was a very interesting website called skilledatlife.com. If you want to go check it out, I put it up there. And um, what I'm just going to kind of go through what we're going to do. Uh, They divided, you know, they took a look. This is the problem with concentrating on only the past. This is the problem with concentrating only on the future. And then I'm going to have this thing we're going to come back on. The stuff that you see that's in italics, that's somebody else that I threw in there that's about the past also because I wanted to present a couple of ideas to get you thinking um, in a certain direction. Uh, Judy, uh, would you like to read? I know you like to read, so... No, I just can't stand waiting for nobody to volunteer. That's what it is. Go ahead. You could be our first volunteer. One of the unique characteristics. One of the unique characteristics of human beings is that we talk to ourselves all the time. This internal voice rarely shuts up and is a great storyteller. The voice is really our restless and rambunctious mind creating stories about our past or the future. Our restless minds love attention. If we are not aware of what we are thinking about, We are, in essence, allowing our minds to control us rather than us controlling them. Thoughts are just thoughts. We do not have to get caught up with them and allow them to rule. Thoughts do not represent us. 
Yeah, one of my favorite lines from the mindfulness work I've done is, your thoughts are just rumors. They might be true. They might not be true. Um, They might be half true. But they really are just rumors. The line I think is really important in this is this one here that says, if we're not aware of what we're thinking about, we're in essence allowing our minds to control us rather than control them. Um, You know, sometimes our mind just will continue to uh, retell a story over and over and over in our minds, and we get angry once again, we get upset once again. Um, And but what we're doing is we're allowing the thoughts in our mind to control how we think and how we feel. it, and, and we need to take control over kind of our thoughts. In the meditations that I do during the week, you know, all we do is concentrate on our breathing. It's virtually impro- impossible because our mind keeps talking to us. And what you try to do if you're doing any meditation is you try to kind of um, stop the mind from controlling the scene and that you take control over where your thoughts go Um, and it's a very, very difficult thing to learn. Um, it takes a lifetime and some people never get there, but as long as we can kind of understand that not all of our thoughts need to be taken, um, with the same kind of seriousness, um, it's a nice place to begin, right? We talk to ourselves. We're constantly thinking about stories from our past and our future. And that's what takes up a lot of our mind time. And only if we are thinking about what's happening right now, can we begin to maybe control what the thoughts from the past and the future so that we can make certain decisions based upon what we need to do now? Okay, so um, I can't see everybody on this, but is there someone else that likes to read out loud? I'll read. Okay, whoever said that, go for it. Uh, Did Um, someone else want to say something, a comment on that, or are we ready to go on? I think Lori Tessel had her hand up, but I'm not sure if she still has her comment. And it was Jay, is it you that wants to read? Yeah. Okay, so Lori, why don't you make your comment, and then we'll go to Jay. Well, I just, it's fine. I was just going to say, well, now I'll just say that um, it's interesting because the, when we're talking about, my husband and I have been sharing stories, because we're home so much, we're sharing stories, you know, with our kids, you know, about about whatever. And often I look at my husband and think like, were we in the same room? Like were we <laughs> experience? Because our perspectives are completely different. Not completely different, but you know, you're in different moments and, and you're sharing one part of a story and then he's sharing another part of the story. And you know, it's just interesting that they, you know, and your thoughts are could be completely different about what we, and, and I would say also what I was thinking is that I, I've journaled for almost 30 years. That's wonderful. 30 years. And not like, you know, as I, as I age, I think that, you know, I do take time to read them. And there have been times when I've read them and thought, oh, I was so sad then. I don't remember being that sad. Or, mm. or wow, I, I you know I, that was such a great moment, and I don't, and it, and and I am not always writing about. It's not as exaggerated as I as then I think about it. Mm. So, 
I'm glad I have them, but um, I do I do recount them often, you know, as so. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, my my sister in law does mediation, and one of the things that she does when she does work with um, uh, witnesses or lawyers that are going to be working with witnesses, um, according to her, her name's Marjorie. We only remember fifty percent of what happens to us. We wow. don't catch a lot of what happens to us as we recollect things in our mind. So maybe you're recollecting this half and your husband's recollecting that half. But you also have, you also have the concept of, um, you know, we come at everything with our pasts. So we come into things and we, our mind also picks up on different things with each other. But that's, that's perfect. That's great. Okay. Now we're ready for you, Jay. I'm going to put this back up, and you can uh, you can start reading this. There we go. Okay. The past. Our imperfect past provide us with valuable lessons from which we can learn to become better. People. The mistakes and hurt that we experienced in the past makes us wiser and more experienced. They teach us in a way that no textbook can. Despite this, this past is gone forever. We can never regain or change it, no matter how hard we try. Yet so many people allow their minds to constantly ruminate about the past, rehash old mistakes, hurt and pain, and spin stories about our previous experiences. Interestingly enough, most people who harbor feelings of anger, resentment, regret and unhappiness are not actually experiencing any negative events or situation presently. Their present life is pretty problem-free. However, their minds are conjuring up stories and replaying the past, and that is the sort of the unpleasant feelings. Um, great. And um, would someone like to read this next one, the, uh, the Tim Hill? Go ahead. Um, who has their hand up? Me? Yep, go ahead. When we think about the past in terms of the regrets, something came in the middle, uh, we have, we are ruminating. At those times where we think about the past and we wonder what we might have done differently, or we wonder about the actions of others, we are essentially spinning our wheels. In doing this, we don't draw anything from the past, but continue to sink our present moment into our regrets. We can sometimes mistake rumination for problem-solving. Just because we're thinking about the past and our actions, we can think that we are act we think that we're actually sorting things out. The truth is, we're just going round and round in a circle. In addition, there is often a heavy self-critical tone to rumination. Right. So this is the idea that we spend our time. Um, so much of our time reliving our past, going through it again, um, trying to make different decisions on something that will never happen again, right? It's already come. I'm sorry. Bye, guys. Take care. My family's leaving. I had to say goodbye to them. Sorry. Um, uh, You know, we spend so much time doing that. And what what I think is the problem with that is that it infiltrates our now. It infiltrates our present. So, 
you know, uh, the last line in there is, you know, this idea that um, uh, we think we're problem solving but and sorting things out, but we're really not. We're just kind of spinning our wheels again. And, and we're trying to make something that happened different as opposed to perhaps taking that and wondering why we're even thinking about it, ruminating on it or upset about it. The idea that we bring ourselves and get upset one more time about something that isn't happening at the moment. Um, there was that line at the end of that first paragraph, right? It's like usually when people are getting depressed and upset about things that have happened in the past, there's nothing happening to upset them at that very moment. Although as a caveat, there may be actually something that has triggered that upset about something in the past. And that's kind of part of the exercise that we're going to do together. But so this is, I just want to frame this idea. You got this right. That we're, we're, if we're living in the past and, and I'm not saying we all do this, uh, you may have related to a part of it. You may not have, but if we're reliving constantly thinking about this past, it infiltrates us in our present in a way that doesn't allow us to live in our present because we're still there. All right. Um, I believe Lori wanted to read. Would you like to read the next part? I'll bring it up. We'll move into the future. I know I'm going kind of quickly through this just because we have about six, 17 minutes left. So, okay, you're up. Thinking about future events and consequences is paramount to human survival. We need to protect ourselves from danger and therefore anticipate or fear certain situations or events before they occur. It is what protected our ancestors from being eaten by the lion. This form of thinking about the future serves us well and keeps us safe. It motivates us to act in a productive way now in order to prevent a bad situation or circumstance from occurring in the future. Unfortunately, many people do not know where to draw the line. They worry constantly and are always anxious and fearful about what, what may or may not happen in the future. They imagine the worst possible scenarios and dwell on them constantly. This causes chronic anxiety and stress in their lives. Very often, these imagined and negative events and situations never occur. Mm. I, I, I love that last line, right? Yeah. They, they, the stuff that people are afraid of and imagining may not even happen at all, right? Um, would anyone else like to read? Uh, you can just raise your hand and I can call on you, but... If not, I'm going to go to my default. Judy's my default. Oh, there we go. Wait, I can't see who that is. I can only see your eyes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to have to call on you. Okay. Oh, Esther had her name up. I had her hand up first. Sorry, Renee. Go ahead, Esther. Wait, let me bring it up again. Okay. Esther, just press. There you go. She got it. Okay. Uh, one second. Um, although thinking about the future is critical to our, our well-being, most of us think about the future far more than needed to manage our lives effectively. Thinking too much about the future distracts us from our life as it unfolds in the present moment and, worse, fuels a great deal of anxiety about what might happen tomorrow, next week, next year, or decades from now. If we worried only about things that were actually going to occur, and if worrying always helped us deal more effectively with future problems, our ability to look ahead would be an unmitigated blessing. 
but most worry is unnecessary. Most of the things that we're worried about never actually happen. And when they do, the events are rarely as bad as we imagined. And even when our fears come true, worrying in advance rarely helps us cope with them. Yeah, when I when I read when I read that, I thought of my wife's Bubby, who when you'd say to her, "Bubby, let's go get ice cream," she'd go, "Ugh," and she'd think of all the reasons why we shouldn't go get ice cream. Right? "Ugh, it's so dark; it may melt. You know, it's so hot; it may melt on the way." Or "Ugh, oh, do you think they'll have my favorite vanilla with chocolate chip and pistachios?" You know, it's like it didn't matter what it was. She was like, "Ugh." Ach was her favorite reaction to anything that was going to happen in the future. Why? Because she was always worried that, you know, something bad was going to happen. Now, that may have been because of her Holocaust upbringing, for sure. But that, that is really the, um, that's, that's one that I think really paralyzes people from doing things in the now, is this constant think about, oh my God, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or this could happen? Or I know this happened to a friend of mine, uh, you know, um, a different time. Um, and so that's going to happen to us as well. Um, Robert Shaz, did you have your hand up? Or was that, that was one of these? I, I, I did not have my hand up. I don't know what I was doing. No worries. Okay, so now we've taken a look at what keeps us in the past and how that can be damaging. We've looked at what, you know, and, and what I like about those readings is it doesn't say that it's necessarily bad to look at the future or necessarily bad to look at the past. It's what do we do with it and how does it affect us now that is the most important, right? It's okay. We want to be looking at the future so we can make our plans, um, right? I mean, otherwise, um, it would be September 18th and Rabbi Schatz would call me up and say, hey, what are you guys doing for High Holy Days? Right? It's like you can't plan the High Holy Days one day in advance. We have to look ahead. We have to anticipate what's going to happen so that we can do things now that will help us into the future, for sure. But when it becomes something that keeps us from acting, that's when, um, that's when it can be tough for us. And I'm sure... I'm 100% sure that of the 16 people that are on this call, you either relate to the people that live in the past or the people that live in the future in your own mind for you. Um, oh, there's Everyone kind of leans one way or the other on that. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but it's how we use the past and the future that's really going to help us in the present. Um, and that's what I'd like to kind of finish up on is a little exercise that I think we can do as part of our Cheshbon HaNefesh um, that can help us um, help us to get through this. And I'm, I'm going to read this just so we can go through it slowly. And um, this, is, uh, this is, again, from Psychology Today, um, Rabbi Schatz's favorite website. So here's the question that I think we need to ask. Anytime there's something in the past or something in the future that is keeping us from living in the present. And that question is, why now? In other words, um, if I was thinking about a time that, um, that my wife was upset with me because I uh, didn't take the garbage out, right? All of a sudden that comes into my mind, how upset 
I made her and how bad that was. And I must be the worst husband. And I go down, by the way, that doesn't happen. I, I take the garbage out. Come on. But you know, I, I'm going in my mind. I must be bad. I must be this. Why am I thinking about that now? What happened to me now that triggered that thought from the past or why now what happened to trigger me worrying about something that's going to be in the future? So the question to ask is not even, not necessarily what's important about that incident or what's important about that worry, but why did that come into my mind right now? What's happening to me now that has brought those particular thoughts and feelings up. And I say thoughts and feelings because um, I talked with my wife about this uh, last night and how I wanted to do this. And I was being very intellectual about it. Well, you need to consider and you need to this. And she wanted to me to remind everybody. It's really figuring out why am I feeling this? What is the feeling that brought me to think about this past thing or this future thing? But why now? So we need to kind of take a step back and engage rationally so that we can figure out the emotion. I think he says that here. Yeah, this is what you want to want to tap into by stepping back and engaging your rational rather than your emotional brain. But that being said, what you're asking about is your emotion. You're asking about the feeling that you have because, you know, what, what can happen is something's triggered you start thinking about the past, that puts this feeling inside of you that you've already felt. And so you, that's why that feeling from the past came up is because your body um, and your mind, that who knows you better than your conscious mind does, all of a sudden went there. So it's important to do it. So that's the first one. Ask yourself, why now? Sit down with yourself when you are emotionally calm and ask yourself, why is this coming up now? Is it tied to triggers like stress, relationship dynamics, old losses, lack of closure, closure, old wounds and traumas? Um, the example that um, Robert Taibbi uses in this article um, is a man had um, had a dalliance. Uh, um, he committed adultery. And, and his wife and he worked it out and something like two years later, they're sitting on the couch and all of a sudden she brings it up again. Um, so he says, so the question is, in her, for her, why did she bring that up now? This was something they'd already dealt with. They had already let it pass. Years had gone by. Something happened to trigger her to think about the fact that he had had an affair all those years before. That's the example that he uses. Is it tied to triggers like stress or relationship dynamics? Because he's like, maybe he wasn't paying attention to her. Maybe he was exhibited, exhibiting some of the same behavior that happened when he did this. And so the most important thing first is just check in with yourself. What are the emotions happening to me? Why am I feeling this? Is this tied to something from before? That's one. Two, write it down. I guess... This had already been done by a couple of you. Uh, do free, free association journaling. Write why now at the top of a piece of paper and write by hand, although I, I have to admit, I probably would type this because my handwriting is so bad. Um, write by hand whatever comes to mind and let your mind and your hand just go. See what comes up. See what kinds of memories come up, what kinds of feelings come up, because then it can clarify for yourself where you are, right now, because after all, that's what we're trying to get to. 
health right now, in this moment. Third, talk it out. Do essentially the same thing that you do by writing, but talk to someone that you trust. Um, Someone that you trust is the key thing here. Um, Ask the other person just to listen, not interrupt, and just get out of your head whatever's in your mind and see where that leads you. Um, I do want to say, it has to be someone you absolutely trust. It has to be someone that you have no problem sharing, you know, deep aspects of what's inside of you. Um, But it also needs to be someone who's not going to interrupt you, not going to try to fix your problem, because you don't have a problem. You're just trying to live best you can. Um, But it sometimes when it comes out and you hear yourself telling somebody else, sometimes that opens up avenues of um, clarity that you may not have had before. So the three things to do when you are starting to think about your past, your future, feelings come up, you're getting anxiety, you're getting upset about it is, why am I thinking of this now? Um, Write it down and just write all your thoughts about it and or go and talk to somebody about it. Now, how does this relate to Cheshbon HaNefesh? This almost seems like this is what an exercise you're supposed to do only when something upsets you. The fact is, Cheshbon HaNefesh says, here's where I am right now. This is a month before the High Holy Days. I'm going to need to ask forgiveness for whatever. (laughs) There's all kinds of people walking through this room. Um, Uh, You know, I'm going to have to figure out how I can best live my life where I am right now. And where I am right now is based upon, and I'll use us, our lives now, is based upon the five months that we've been sheltering in place, and it'll be six months by then, and our uncertainty how we're going to get out. When is that going to be? Is that going to be in in January? Is that going to be next summer? Are we going to have to be going the whole year? I mean, my daughter just was announced yesterday they're having virtual school for the whole year, unless it's announced at some point they're not. LA Unified is virtual for the entire year. Um, So now I'm going to start to have them think about the future and what do I want to do for her so that she can have actual experiences as opposed to just sitting in her room. Um, But that's for me too. Um, My life is going to be different and my life's going to change. And in some ways, it's not going to change at all from the last three or four months, but it's going to change from what it used to be. Um, And or, you know, in what ways is it going to change as things start opening up? And what do I have anxiety about? and, And what scares me? And what makes me feel comfortable? Right now, we sit right between them. Rosh Hashanah is this fantastic time for us to say, what can I do with the feelings that I've had in the past? How can I even either put them aside or take them into my heart? And how can I take the anxieties and the feelings I'm having as I'm moving forward, bring them into the now to say, I'm okay right now. It's okay right now. I just need to do some, some serious planning about what I want to happen in the future. And it has to be done in a way that's realistic. So you don't disappoint yourself and you don't end up upset afterward. So uh, it's one fifty-seven. We have three minutes. I would love to get some kind of reactions from all of you. I just kind of brought you through this whole thing for the last 15 minutes um, without getting your input. But um, where, where do you, what, what have you been thinking about? How do you think that you can use this? Someone raised their hand. I didn't see what it was. Was it you, Renee, who raised your hand? No. 
No? I hope that's because everyone's thinking about it. Okay, go ahead, Barbara. Well, I know personally, I try not to think about what's gone on in the past that bugs me. I try to forget. And I have a sister that constantly thinks about what went on when she was 16 years old and what we as kids did. Drives me absolutely crazy. And my daughter occasionally does this too, but not nearly as bad as my sister. And I feel sorry for people that their their life is in the past because you got to forget the old stuff and you got to go on. I, so I, I think that what you said was pretty interesting and valuable. Yep. Anyone else have any uh, anything they'd like to comment on this? Go ahead, Jay. I think what's interesting is thinking about our present time and the worries a lot of us have about the future, that we're thinking so much about that that we're not thinking about, you know, how things have been and what we've done beforehand and how we can continue to do the things that have been good. We're so worried about the future. Mm. It can control us for sure. Um, all right. I think, um, I think Judy was first and Lori, then Karen. So I, my mother, I think was an incredible woman. And when my brother, uh, developed a lymphoma and my mother was pretty up in senior years at that point, And I thought, Oh my God, my mother must be hysterical because she used to worry when we were younger that there was dust on something or washing the dishes before we went to a wedding, you know, but when my brother had lymphoma, she was relatively calm, and she said, I can't worry about things I can't do anything about. And somehow that, some, maybe some of this comes with age, I don't know, but that just was a really remarkable lesson for me. And that makes, that makes life a lot easier. Yeah. Good. Um, I think, Laura, you are next. For me, all of this has been powerful. Thank you. Uh, so for me, the uh, the triggers just hit me today as you're as you were talking that mm-hmm. you know why why I react to something that may not have something to do with the situation, but is but something that's bringing you know whatever it is the anxiety maybe more so in all of this because there's so much focus. When am I going to go back to work? Am I going back to work and, right. and all of that? And, and, you know, now that we're in August, you know, whatever the kid, everybody's going to be home working. We, you know, how are four of us going to work in, you know, work period. Um, so there's a lot of processing and I'm trying to be practical without that emotional trigger. Um, clouding the you know the productive part right so thank you for all of this you're very welcome um who else was uh who was next uh, i think karen you had your hand raised um thoughts and feelings are automatic they just are they come and that's it right what we do our behavior we have choices about okay and so as i as you were talking and i wrote it in the chat that triggers from the past may come up because they link to past traumas or whatever was going on. But if we say, why is this so exploded? 
and take a moment, we can leave it in the past and say, this is not, I mean, I have a house, I have a this, I have a whatever it is, and that's the reality of now. And so it's the same thing as where are you now? Right, right. But the past is good for consciousness of being present, which I think is what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think that what what our work is before we even begin Elul is is to to help us place ourselves where we need to be so that we can do this work. We can think about what are these things in this last five months that have really been very difficult for me. What's going to be the most difficult for me in the future? But these are things that we can think about that can help us to cope with now, as opposed to oh my God, this happened to me three months ago. I don't know how I'm going to deal. You know, it's like. Then I'm I'm lost in the present because the past is just infiltrating it. Um, okay, it's two o three. I wanted to thank everybody for joining me today. That's very nice. I don't know most of you, and uh, it was really lovely to uh, to share this this hour. And I hopefully will have opportunity in the future to uh, to do this again. Um, thank we'll you so much. Thank you so much. This is really up. <laughs> Dad, can you just wait one second to dust bust? Thanks. Um, <laughs> of course, the one minute I, I unmute myself, that's when the whole house has to make noise. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Rabbi Aaron. It was really, as everyone has now said, it was very thought-provoking. And I really look forward to actually printing out the articles and and going through those different steps, because I think they are steps that we all need to go through at any time and specifically right now in preparation for whatever the high holidays will be for our community. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful way to end our first week of this learning together and especially to have our partner in crime, uh, Temple Emanuel of Beverly Hills, have Shabbat their Shalom rabbi. to everybody. I hope you yeah. have a peaceful, still Shabbat, and um, have time to uh, you know be around people you love. Um, if it's not in person, it's virtually. So uh, Amen. Yeah. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so Take much. Care. Thank you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.